Hi, this is Eric Colser, and you're listening to the Sending and Shepherding Podcast. As a pastor and Christian leader, I have two main roles and responsibilities, to help send Christians out as missionaries to the culture around them, and to shepherd the flock that God has entrusted to me. This podcast is an attempt to do both as a missiologist of the culture that Christians are sent to, and as a shepherd who desires to help teach the church how to think and live out a biblical worldview. This is Eric Colser for the Sending and Shepherding podcast. This is actually our seventh episode, and I was going to be talking about marijuana. I was going to be talking about the devil's lettuce and how Christians should uh, react and respond uh, to that drug and that issue when it comes to uh, the legalities involved, how many people do that uh, outside and even within the church. And I still plan on speaking on that issue, which I feel like I have a lot of uh, knowledge and experience, not just because of my pre-Christian days as a pothead, uh, but as more than anything, a former student pastor. And so I'm really looking forward to it. I actually had a, uh, an entire sermon on that topic in the past because students voted that for top nine issues that they're dealing with that they wanted uh, answers for. And so I actually have an entire sermon on that already. And so I was looking forward to doing that. But there were two major news stories this week that broke out that I want to talk about instead and give a little bit of a worldview according to the Bible with and hopefully some kind of suggestions and and help with. I will be tackling that topic of uh, Mary Jane at a future podcast uh, but today I want to talk about some two, uh, some two, two reports that came out concerning sexual abuse within the church. Uh, first off, there was a uh, report from the Houston Chronicle after an investigation that turned into this major report that was released this past Sunday. Uh, and it was an investigation into uh, sexual abuse in Southern Baptist churches. Uh, where they found over 700 reports or survivors, uh, including children as young as three years old that was sexually assaulted by either a pastor, a youth pastor, a children pastor, or a volunteer lay leader in Southern Baptist churches all across the United States. Uh, Many of them were convicted. Most of these cases were convicted or took plea deals. Uh, very few of them uh, did not reach the statute of limitations. Uh, and so there was a lot of, uh, I guess, um, uh, legit reporting according to this. It really was alarming uh, for many Southern Baptist leaders as they cried out on social media, put out statements about it. It was quite scandalous and uh, it was shocking for many, many people. In light and in comparison to kind of the Roman Catholicism cover-up, uh, it kind of still didn't uh, really uh, compare to to that scandal, but it, it really is alarming. And it's something that, again, has caused a lot of people to ask questions and, and wonder, uh, why uh, is this so prevalent within the church? Um, and what do we do with uh, these type of cases and with sexual abuse? 
the other news report that came out more recently, in fact, I think it just uh, happened uh, in the last couple of days, uh, but Albert Moeller, who is the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, the largest uh, evangelical uh, seminary in the United States. Maybe it's the largest Southern Baptist seminary in the United States. I want to say evangelical, though. It could be wrong. Though. That could be Fuller um, or somewhere else. It is also my alma mater. I actually um, do know Dr. Moeller. Not like I am uh, texting and calling him uh, daily for ministry advice, but uh, we served at the same church together, and I actually interned at the church he used to be at where his kids were a part of that student ministry. And uh, so again, I uh, do know him, and when seeing, uh, we you know recognize and talk and chat. Uh, but he recently apologized for his uh, former quick support of close friend C.J. Mahaney, uh, who started the Sovereign Grace Church Network, had a big mega church, I think it was right outside of Baltimore, Maryland, and at that church when he was the head pastor, he was accused, uh, among many other pastors at that church, of a cover-up of multiple accounts of sexual abuse from a former student pastor that was there. Uh, that all came to light. They they dealt with this. I want to say it was in the 90s. I think actually this uh, former youth pastor actually had some uh, previous sexual uh, abuse at another church as well, either in the 80s or 2000s. But it all came to light in like the, I want to say early 2010 to 2012. Uh, I know it really hit media and emails were leaked and a whole bunch of stuff happened around 2012. Uh, with it. And so uh, Dr. Moeller, uh, he he uh, came out with a statement, signed a statement of support for C.J. Mahaney in the midst of that, and even made a horrible joke about it when introducing C.J. at a conference in 2013. And now five years later, he again uh, uh, issued an apology actually to the Houston Chronicle when they were following up in reports uh, from that uh, that investigation that they released a week ago. And then although they had quoted a couple paragraphs of his apology there, he came out with an official release statement today uh, about that. And a couple quick things before we get into this. First off, uh, I want to be able to kind of speak into this issue, uh, share my heart, share my convictions, and do so with all humility because I do know when reading these things, there's a little bit of pride. I'm going to be just transparent and admit a little bit of self-righteousness in my heart with this issue because I read that Houston Chronicle report and even Dr. Moeller's apology and statement, and I can't but help to think, well, duh, uh, if you would have kept up with it five years ago, actually read through the case when it hit trial and that youth pastor was convicted and the other pastors, including Mahaney's uh, brother-in-law, who did admit in court to covering it up and not handling it the right way with police and everything else, um, even though there isn't crystal clear evidence that, that C.J. Mahaney uh, covered it up himself, uh, if you would have kept up with any of that five years ago, just like I did. And again, I know I'm not close friends with C.J. Mahaney, obviously, but 
man, that guy was influential on my life. And his book, his book, uh, The Cross-Centered Life, is still to this day one of the most influential, impactful books I have I have ever read when it comes to comes to keeping the gospel the center of everything I do in life and in ministry. And I've actually given that book out as a gift to others more than any other book, hearing similar influence from them when, when doing so. And so it broke my heart, not only reading those things, but was very tough even uh, whether it was in conversations or even on social media, I, after a good <laughs> months of studying and waiting for more information to come out, I couldn't but help to still speak out and publicly say, uh, this was wrong, this was sin, they didn't handle that right, this is a cover-up, and they need to repent. I spoke out with that, I spoke out with the Duggars uh, when they had a similar case within their own family. I've wrote, written blog posts about the Steubenville rape stuff, uh, and again, I do have to, uh, I do believe we have to be careful, make sure we have all facts, facts uh, about these things. But I do strongly believe, and I've believed this for a very long time, had strong convictions about this. When it comes to sexual abuse, when it comes to uh, minors, you speak up and you speak out. As a former youth pastor, I have made those phone calls to police at least four different times. Uh, one of those times even uh, end up putting that grandfather in prison uh, to the joy and relief of the girl in the youth group who was sexually assaulted. Um, as a Christian, as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor shepherd, I have a strong calling from the Lord, I feel, to protect and defend women and children. And so sexual abuse, sexual assault, whether it be with women, whether it be with children, with an injustice or a horrific sin that is involved with, again, women or children, I want to pursue justice even more than usual. I believe that is biblical, but I say all that to say I don't want to be self-righteous with that. I need to not only respond with humility uh, when reading those things, but I also want to make sure that it is balanced, of course, with grace, with love at the same time. And uh, so uh, I, I've been even faced with this in ministry and in churches, uh, though, uh, with this. And I've spoken out when seeing it at least twice. Uh, I've even seen an attempt to cover up uh, with a church uh, so that they didn't lose people and to save face that they doubted a victim, and I felt I was one of the few people that knew and supported them until later years down the road. More victims came up later, and uh, and they, they came back to me uh, when they're saying, you're not going to tell anyone, right? When I already did, to, I went to the proper people. And, uh, and, uh, and so by conscience and conviction, mostly by God's grace, I read all of these things in this last week, that Houston Chronicle report, Dr. Mueller's apology, with uh, a bit of relief uh, and uh, uh, gratefulness um, that, that God is really using this current culture to expose such things and have other people speak out and against such things as well. I know I'm grateful for a wife that has completely supported me, knowing that even at that one specific situation I had mentioned, uh, risking ministry and job at times, but we still do need to speak out. And, uh, 
And we have to because, again, of our biblical worldview on such things. Uh, Sexual assault is mentioned in the Bible. It's clearly defined as sin against God and against neighbor. It's mentioned frequently throughout the Bible. It's referred to as a symbol of how how bad sin uh, corrupts God's good creation in the Manjo Day. Um, there are explicit passages calling sexual assault sin. Uh, in fact, it's, it's referred to as a violation of God's law in Deuteronomy chapter 22, and verses 25 through, through 29. Um, there are also uh, references of these type of sexual acts that the Bible characterizes, characterizes as, uh, again, sinful sexual assault. And it even results in emotional trauma in these times. Uh, passages such as 2 Samuel 13, uh, Hosea chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, Jeremiah chapter 13, 20 through 27, and uh, twice in Ezekiel chapter 16 and uh, chapter 23. All cases where it demonstrates uh, just uh, an understanding that, the, that the, those acts of sexual assault, assault is sin and it results in trauma for the victim and a loss and even of, of self at, at times with that. Uh, not only in those times do you see specific cases of sexual assault defined as, as sin, uh, but also um, specifically with kids, you see Ma- Matthew 18 verses 1 through uh, 6. Uh, God's word says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Calling him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. If we don't take this type of sin so serious and and it's horrible because it goes to the other extreme and opposite. Not only is it not called out as, as sin, it's being covered up to a certain extent, it seems, in, in churches and places. And at the same time, uh, Jesus himself is saying when you lead a, a child in sin, you, you might as well uh, tie a huge rock around your neck and jump off a cliff into the depths of the sea. Uh, I mean, how... What an extreme point does Jesus have, Jesus have to make that we are to protect these kids, even to the risk of our ministry, our jobs. And then, of course, Ephesians 5, 8 through 13 shows that we are to expose what is done in the dark into the light. As the Apostle Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and true to discern what is pleasing in the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible." Now, that doesn't mean that every sin of a Christian now needs to be exposed and tweeted. It needs to be, of course, repented 
for uh, God and, and to those who are involved, uh, accountable uh, with certain people, whether that be at certain situations and times um, and cases, pastors and, and church discipline, of course, is, is involved. In other cases, the, the people that are, are involved. Uh, but churches are, are literally covering these sins up where there's a track record even of repeated offenders and we do need to expose that crap. We need to go to police first, and you do need to expose to find out and see if there's other victims in, involved. In fact, Russell Moore wrote a great article over this week who, uh, in, uh, in light of these things that had came out and talking about how many, how many of these churches do that uh, out of the motive of um, trying almost like a PR for Jesus. And he said this near the end of that article, uh, we should see this scandal in terms of the church as a flock, not as a corporation. Many, whether in Hollywood or the finance or the finance industry or elsewhere, see such horrors as public relations problems to be managed. The church often thinks the same way, and that's sad. Nothing could be further from the way of Christ. Jesus does not cover up sins within the temple of his presence. He brings everything hidden to light. We should too. When we downplay or cover over what has happened in the name of Jesus to those he loves, we are not protecting Jesus's reputation. We are instead fighting Jesus himself. Amen, 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 Russell Moore. And I want to share uh, a couple things that I have learned uh, about this uh, even further, uh, mostly from a uh, man, a biblical counselor and, uh, and a pastor, former pastor uh, by the name of Justin Holcomb. Uh, he actually has written a book called Rid of My Disgrace, Hope and Healing for Victims of Sexual Assault. Again, I don't know if he's pastoring right now, I know he is, again, is a counselor, has written much about this, and he's actually pastored at some churches specifically working with uh, uh, victims of sexual assault and rape uh, because he his degree and his kind of specialty is in this, and I've learned more from him, and you'll see many other people quoting him, many other Christians uh, in counseling uh, as well, and I've actually used this book the most when counseling uh, through this issue. But some things that I've learned from him and that he has said about this, that might even be again surprising uh, to you, but that's why we do need to make a big deal out of this issue and why it is shocking. Uh, but first of all, sexual assault and child sexual abuse, it is much more common than most people expect or know. And here's some statistics that he has given. At least one in four women and one in six men are or will be victims of sexual assault in their lifetime. Uh, most victims, which that's approximately 80%, he says, are assaulted by an acquaintance. That could be a relative, that could be a friend, that can be somebody that they are dating, a spouse. Uh, in the case that we've learned over this week, pastor, uh, but that could be teachers, bosses, coaches, therapists, doctors. Most of them, they, they know them somehow already. Child sexual abuse is, is more prevalent also than most people would think. And those offenders are usually people, uh, parents, and uh, again, the children know as well. Uh, it's not usually strangers. Um, it's people, again, that, that parents and that the children somehow know. Uh, one in five, statistically, one in five children are sexually abused by their 18th birthday. Wow. 
A child is much more likely to be sexually abused, again, by a recognized trusted adult than by a stranger. And the percentages of that, 34% of uh, those people who assault them are family members. 58% are acquaintances of the child or family. Only 7% are strangers to the victim. And so statistically, uh, we see how, how common that is. But also statistically, many, and this is sad, uh, many victims never tell anyone about their sexual assault. In fact, it is one of the most underreported crimes. Uh, whether it be because of those victims' uh, fear of within that, that court procedure, um, how intrusive that is, the re-victimizing that happens in the court procedure that prevents many sexual assault survivors from ever even reporting such assaults. Um, and so that is, uh, of course, a major concern. Uh, and, and statistically, and again, here's the other, another surprising thing with all of this. False reporting is not that common. In fact, false reports are quite rare. And the statistics that Justin Holcomb gave about that was the figure often used by sexual violence experts for estimating falsified reports is, he says, 2%, which is slightly lower, a slightly lower rate than other crimes. And so uh, many, and I do think that in this current hashtag Me Too movement, there will be more false accusations. Again, I think there is, I've talked about this a little bit more uh, in a previous podcast uh, when it comes to toxic masculinity. And I've shared how I praise God for the Me Too movement because I do think, I mean, you heard the statistics, uh, stuff is being exposed and, and, and uncover that I had seen for a long, long time and was trying to call out in repentance. And so I think much more of that is happening for God's common good and grace for people to, and especially men, to realize this is sin. There are consequences. And I pray and hope that they will now find Jesus or go to Jesus in, in the midst of it and change and receive new life uh, and how to uh, treat women and children uh, because of Jesus instead. But um, out of that current movement and our current culture, I just like the, the pendulum has swung where there is a lot more shame and consequences within there. I think to the other end, the pendulum will swing where there will be many more false accusations that will come out of this. Um, and so we do have to be careful with that. Satan would not only love to use uh, this current culture and movement for false accusations, but he'd love to also use it for Christians to speak up on, on these issues with false motives as well. I hate saying this, but uh, you know, I, I read those things and uh, I even sort of question that. Um, you know, are, are people speaking up uh, about these things because they want to, again, uh, be on the right side of it? But are, do they truly know and believe by conviction and heart what the Bible has to say uh, within it? And or again, is it kind of like more of, of PR? And so we have to be careful with that as well. Um, lastly, I do want to briefly speak about ministry to those who are survivors of sexual assault who are still suffering within that. Um, we as the church, especially as pastors, but as the church as a whole, uh, as that happens, 
Um, we don't just speak up, speak out, r- report. Uh, we minister. We counsel. And we love those people, um, those victims. We share the gospel to the, those who are the perpetrators. And we seek justice. Uh, but we, we have a large also responsibility to minister uh, to, of course, the, the victims. And with that, we need to know that uh, we need to communicate to them that it wasn't their fault. So many victims, and I know this based off counsel and reading, uh, so many victims of, of sexual assault, um, uh, they need to hear that it is not their fault. They're not to blame. Uh, they never deserved that. They didn't, of course, ask for that. And they should not be silenced. Many of them feel worthless after going through such horrific sin and trauma. Uh, They don't have to pretend like nothing has happened. Uh, Again, that's where God has been gracious in this movement, uh, where they have finally felt like they can be able to speak out. Uh, As we all know, it is nobody has the right to ever force or violate another person. Um, they're not responsible for what, what happened with them. They feel like, again, damaged goods many times. And uh, every person uh, should be treated, again, with dignity and respect, of course. And so they need to know that um, that, that wrong is not their wrong. Um, it is that of who, of course, had, had done it. And it is sin. They were sinned against. Uh, part of sinful world and despite of all that pain we need to show them that healing can happen and that there is hope and there is no greater hope than in the gospel still it is a long process of healing and believing it really really is but they need to hear they need to know and they need to have people who will walk with them and will love them and will uh, bear the burden as much as they can with them uh, uh, out of the motive of gospel, but again, speaking the truth of the gospel within that, that in spite of this sin that was forced against them, um, Jesus Christ, of course, has died for that. He has taken that, and although they will feel and still remember, but it is true that he has taken that and he has freed them of it, uh, that he has thrown it to the depths of the sea, that they are, that they, uh, the power of, of course, not just in the cross, but in the resurrection, there is again hope. Um, there can be new life. There can be a start over. Um, that that uh, they uh, uh, need to believe. Uh, and so, we need to walk down that road with them continually and constantly reminding them of that, uh, giving grace and expecting even that Satan's going to attack more than ever um, and lies within those type of situations in sins and the shame that sadly comes um, uh, with uh, seasons after. But again, um, there's no greater hope within those horrible fallen situations than in the gospel and so um, then uh, even uh, going to other, other people or, or, or other things to medicate or, or uh, other, uh, again, uh, false maybe uh, self-help counsel uh, is not going to replace uh, the supernatural, miraculous healing 
that Jesus can give in those situations. And, and, and so we have to make sure that, again, we point them to the hope of the gospel in the midst of that. So that is pretty much all I want to say uh, about that right now. And uh, I know that issue is not going to go away. And again, out of God's sovereignty, I praise him uh, for that to a, to a certain magnitude and extent. And uh, at the same time, it is uh, certainly bitter uh, because it is uh, appalling and heartbreaking to hear the stories and see the cover-ups within the, the church I know Jesus loves and that I love. Uh, and so... Again, I've experienced it. I'm not that surprised. I've experienced it. Um, I'm even somewhat self-righteous because I feel like I've, I've been <laughs> a little bit of a lone ranger in, in speaking out against some of these things. Uh, but uh, God has been gracious that uh, there is now, uh, there is now uh, many others doing it. And even in the case with Dr. Moeller, uh, it's never, ever too late to repent and to do better with this. So uh, that's all I am going to say about this right now. Looking forward to future podcasts. Uh, next week, uh, I'm going to have my first guest, a uh, man by the name of Mitch Wiley. Mitch served at uh, the church I actually serve with right now when I was uh, their student pastor before transitioning as a campus pastor. Uh, he was uh, serving in student ministry with me. Uh, he is a fellow lover of movies in the Academy Awards. And so next week we are going to have a conversation uh, about movies, uh, about biblical worldview, and also being a missionary watching movies. We're going to talk about some specific Academy Award nominees in their worldview. And we may have even a little bit of fun uh, guessing, some, uh, guessing some winners of that as well. So I'm looking forward to having my first guest uh, next week and uh, in the future talking about the devil's lettuce <laughs> marijuana um, and uh, many other ones and uh, also if you're listening and uh, you listen pretty regularly and you would like to hear uh, a podcast over something in the news something within the culture something that would be just beneficial or helpful for maybe you at work or in life at school whatever the, the place uh, but it fits within that kind of biblical worldview and how a Christian should respond and think about that. Or as a missionary, how we could share the gospel as a missionary using culture to reach culture around us. Uh, please let me know. Again, Eric Colser is my name and you could probably find me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. And uh, feel free to let me know and suggest that. And uh, that could be a future podcast possibly. All right, Eric Colser. Thank you. Bye.